0: Happy Mother's Day, Happy everyone. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, it's so good to have you with us today. Wow, this is great. It is great. Happy Mother's Day to you. And to you too, Lori. Oh,
1: so great. I know, it is so great. And this is a special Aww. day. And we want to pay a tribute to moms. We want to honor all of you moms. Yeah. But I want to just take a moment to honor my mom, Faye. She is an incredible woman, one of the most humble and meek and kind women I've ever met. And I always want to be more like my mom. So I love you, Mom. And my mother-in-law, Stephanie, you know, I've been married for 23 years, and Stephanie has had a huge impact in my life in how to love God and how to serve God and how to be a good wife. And I just want to say, Mom, Corto, I love you so much, Stephanie. And Madeline Dory. She has been a spiritual mom in this church for as long as I can remember, speaking into my life, prophesying into my life, words of encouragement and life,
0: praying for me. So Mrs. Dory, I honor you as a spiritual mom love that. She's been a spiritual mom to so many, so, so so many. Um, Okay. Well, my mom, mom, I hope you're watching. It's so, so good, good, good to have you here. And I love you so much too. Happy Mother's Day to you. And one of the things I love about my mom, she's literally the best mom ever. And she's literally taught me everything I know about being a mom and just how to consider others as better than yourself. It's something she models every day. And my mom-in-law, Pastor Joyce Boucher, she has literally taught me everything, I know about being a pastor and a woman of God. And I love you, uh, mom. I just, I absolutely love you. Happy Mother's Day to you too. And a spiritual mom in my life or a mentor would be Gloria Hutchison. So Gloria, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you for being a spiritual mom to me, a mentor to me. And one of the things I learned from her is just the beauty of her the intimacy that she has with God, her relationship with God, it's so beautiful. And I just glean from her, from her life and her story. And I love you. I love you, Gloria. Happy Mother's Day to you. Well, It is Mother's Day, but we are also in um, our Carriers of the Heart series, and we are talking about character, the value character. And character comes before gifting. That's what we say here at Life Center, and that's what we believe with all of our heart, that character is more important than your gifting. Our character isn't value neutral, how we live, love, and lead Matters and it really does. Character matters. Gifting is good, purpose has its place, but Christ like character always stands above. And that's what we believe and that's what we try to live. And so today's message is actually called How Do You Flourish When Life Is Unfair? And we're going to highlight an amazing woman of the Bible named Abigail. So, Rhonda, would you tell us the story of Abigail? I'd love to tell the story. Now, I love a good superhero movie.
1: And this, and especially women superheroes, and this
0: is a... Same. You too. <laughs> I love women superheroes. And this is literally a superhero
1: from the Bible, and Abigail is so inspiring. So this is found in First Samuel 25, her story. Now, Abigail is married to Nabal, and Nabal, like a fun fact here, his name means fool and he is this. He's foolish. He's described as very wealthy and prosperous, but also crude and mean. Now, Abigail, she is described as sensible, intelligent, and beautiful. Now, In the story, it picks up where David and his men, King David, soon to be King David, who had killed Goliath, is out in the desert with his men and he comes across Nabal's shepherds. Now, in that time, shepherds were extremely vulnerable because that is how people would attack their livestock, attack their properties through the shepherds out in the field. and They would take things and harm them. And so at this time, David comes across Nabal's shepherds and he does the opposite. He actually protects them. He does no harm towards them and he actually helps the shepherds come back to Nabal's homeland free and unharmed and all his property come back home. And so David sends 10 of his men to see Nabal because he hears that Nabal is having this huge party. And then we pick up here in 1 Samuel 25, six to eight. And this is what David's message is. Hey, peace and prosperity to you, your family and everything you own. I am told that it's sheep shearing time, while your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your, other, ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So, would you be kind to us, since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us with your friend David. That's so sweet. He actually signs your friend David. Well, they give this message to Nabal, and as we've heard, Nabal is a mean and crude man. So we can only imagine what his response will be. Well, it goes on to say what it is in 1 Samuel 10, I mean, 1 Samuel 25, 10 to 11. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to these young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are tons of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? Well, when David heard this, he was outraged. He was infuriated at this type of rejection. And so he goes on to take 400 of his men and says and pledges that he is going to come and kill Nabal, his household, and all that belongs to him. So one of the servants of Nabal hears this and runs to Abigail. And this is what is told to her in 1 Samuel 25, 14 to 17. David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we have never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. So the, mess- the servant felt comfortable to tell Abigail this. And when Abigail heard these words that the messenger had told her, she sprung into action. She quickly took a ton of food, sent them on a donkey with her servants ahead of her to meet David and his men. And she did this without telling her husband. And then Abigail decided to come behind the servants as well on a donkey. Now I want you to picture this. Abigail is coming by herself on a donkey, and comes into
0: contact with David and his 400 fierce warriors. Scary scene. Like, can you imagine a donkey? It's not like she's riding the Elsa White horse. You know what I mean? Grand entrance. No. No. But like, yeah. a humbly, on this little donkey, coming and just making a petition. Amazing. So, let's, let's just, this is a Hollywood scene. Here comes our superhero, <laughs> Abigail, on a donkey, in front
1: of 400 fierce men. And Aunt Abigail is so brave. She's never met David before, and here she is. So when she saw David and his 400 men, she got off her donkey. She ran to David and fell at his feet. She then accepted all the blame that Nabal Had brought upon her household and begs David to not do what he was intended to do. And David is overcome by the goodness of Abigail. And completely at this moment, he changes his mind and his heart, and mercy is extended to her and her family. And it goes on to say in the scriptures that David exclaims, Thank God. For your good sense, as he speaks to Abigail, bless you for keeping me from murder, from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord and the God of Israel who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. So David blesses her and Abigail returns home with peace. Now the summary of the story is Nabal has this party and when Abigail returns home, she finds him drunk. So she decides to tell him the next day all that had happened. And when she tells Nabal, He is shocked, shocked to his core of what Abigail had done. And then it goes on to say, he has a stroke. He actually has a stroke and 10 (laughs) days later dies. This is quite the story. This is so dramatic. But the ending is so romantic because David ends up hearing that Nabal has died. And he sends a message back to Abigail to ask her to be his wife. And her response is, I would be happy to marry David the end. Amazing. Oh, so I what a beautiful that. story. I love this. So she goes, Abigail goes, goes from being married to a terrible man, to being married to the
0: future King of Israel. Isn't that incredible? incredible? Isn't that incredible? And literally what happens in her godly, in her godly character is a new future is set in motion for Abigail and for her life and for her future and for all of her offspring and her family. Like, that is a redemption story. And you know what? That is exactly what godly character does. There are two paths that are always set before us, isn't there? There's life and there's death. There's two paths. There's a path in the future of godly character and godly choices, and there's a path, a future, of ungodly character or ungodly choices that it leads ahead of us. And Our character shows up every single time when we are pressed, when we are stressed, or we're put to a test. Isn't it true that when things are pressing in on us on all sides, what comes out is the character that is inside of us, either godly character, Christ-like character, or not so Christ-like character. Character can be concealed for a season, but given time, it is always revealed. And so in this story, we see three different types of character revealed through these circumstances. We see David's character. When he doesn't get what he wants, he acts out in anger and vengeance. He's infuriated and he wants to take justice into his own hands. We see Nabal. When someone asks him for help, how does he respond? He's mean, he's rude, he's offensive, and he's foolish. That's his character coming out of him. And then we see Abigail. She responds with good character, with Christ-like character. She literally takes what she has in her hands, she uses it, she covers the foolishness of her husband, and literally takes his reproach upon herself. So how do we flourish when life isn't fair? God uses our circumstances to reveal our character. He uses our afflictions, our disappointments, our difficulties, our struggles, our wrestles to reveal what is inside of us. And in 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5, there is this incredible, incredible scripture that I want to pull out a couple of truths from today. And it says this, for we walk in the flesh, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. We walk in the natural, in the flesh realm, flesh and blood, people, all of those things happen to us in the natural realm. But it says we don't wage war according to the flesh. So that means our fight is not against flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power, divine power, I like the word superpower, Superpower, divine Mm -hmm. superpower to destroy strongholds. So the weapons that we're supposed to walk in, they have divine power to pull down strongholds, but they're not in the flesh. We don't operate in the flesh in these weapons, in these tools that God has given us. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, raised against any form of ungodliness or ungodly character that comes our way. I love this so much. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is really huge. You see, David saw Nabal as his problem. He literally saw Nabal as the problem. He made the problem a person, but Nabal was no problem for God. God had already made a provision for David, but but literally David took it into his own hands. He took it into the natural and made his fight in the natural and didn't trust that God had a provision for him. David saw Nabal as his problem, and so he was going to attack Nabal and repay him for everything, for all the mistreatment that Nabal had done to him. Every single one of us has a nabal in our life. We have people in our lives that are mean, are unkind, are ungracious. They hurt us. They reject us. They offend us. We have nabals in our life. And the question we need to ask ourselves is how do we act towards the nabals in our life? What comes out of us when the nabals of our life were affected by what they do to us? What if we walked in the understanding that we do not wage war in the flesh, in the natural? That literally, that literally, that people are not our problem, but the works of darkness that are manifesting or the works of darkness that are happening as a result of those people when they're hard-pressed, when we are hard-pressed. What if instead of tearing each other down, we actually went to prayer and we tore down all the lofty things that come against any form of ungodliness? Do we really believe that we have a superpower, a divine superpower to destroy strongholds in prayer? I think if we believed it, that's how we'd fight our battles instead of fighting in the natural. Paul gives us a really important instruction in this scripture in how we walk in this authority. We must take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We literally must place it under the obedience of Christ. Now that's really easy to do with godly thoughts, right? Those thoughts are under the obedience of Christ. Things that are lovely and pure and holy and right and true. Those are filed under the obedience of Christ. But what about the ungodly thoughts? What about the thoughts of bitterness and resentment and vengeance? Those are the things we actually have to submit to the obedience of Christ in order to walk in this superpower power. Now, there are two things that happen every single time we take our struggles, we take the things that happen to us to prayer. And they happen in my life. I have witnessed this over and over and over again in my life, that when I'm frustrated with someone, when someone does something and all I can see is them, they're the problem. Maybe it's my husband. I mean, those who are married No, we can get into frustrations. When I see Jason as the problem, or maybe it's a friend, or maybe it's a colleague, or maybe it's a family member, when I see that person as the problem, I waste a whole lot of time and a whole lot of energy trying to figure out how to make things right. But when I take it to prayer, God does two things, and he does this every single time. First, he reveals the ungodly character inside of me. He reveals it, he brings it up to the surface so that I can repent, so that I can lay it down, so that I can walk in life and love and all the good things that God has already provided. And the second thing he does is he works on our behalf in the situation. He literally begins to do something to work and redeem the situation on our behalf. So those are the two things that happen when we take our struggles to prayer instead of dealing with them in the natural, in the natural realm. All this happens in prayer by faith and in the Holy Spirit. It's not natural work against natural people. We are spiritual beings. And so we, re- we don't wrestle or fight against people. And whenever we do, we play right into the hands of the enemy who wants to take advantage of the situation because he wants to steal your provision. He wants to take from you what God has already provided and what rightfully belongs to you, what you rightfully can walk in. So when we fight and wage war in the spirit, we step into authority, our superpower, right, that we have in Christ and we deal with the root of the problem. You see, character is choosing to do the best you can with what God has put into your hands. And that's exactly what Abigail did in this story. Not only did she provide for David's men, but she covered her husband's sin and took his sin and foolishness upon herself. A true spiritual act of Christ-like character. You see, Jesus is our better Abigail. He has taken upon himself our foolishness, our selfishness, every way in which we try to take justice into our own hands. Jesus has literally placed upon himself all the sinful ways, all the ungodly ways that we treat other people. And he has defeated it once and for all on the cross so that we no longer have to fight flesh and blood anymore. But that literally we can have the authority and the superpower to call down those strongholds, those strongholds of darkness that continue to try to harm us and those we love. So how many times have we allowed these wrestles of the flesh to literally stay in the natural realm when God already has provided the provision? He's given us authority over darkness that nothing by any means should harm us. What God can do in a moment in the spirit can change everything about your life and your circumstance, but we must walk in our superpower that we have been divinely given because of Jesus. And when we do, we literally partner with all of heaven, setting a new future in motion. That is so good. I feel
1: like I'm like, hallelujah, amen. Boy, what so a preach. So
0: good. So good. His word is so good. It's so <laughs> good. Life-changing. Oh. That's the
1: superpower. You know, and I just want to pick up on what you're talking about with Abigail and Jesus and all that that reflects in our lives. And a few takeaways with Abigail I want to point back to is 1 Samuel 25, 23. And it says, when Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, on me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Abigail saw, she hurried, she fell down and she covered. And I believe that this is a message for us today. Our circumstances do not need to control our responses. We do through the superpower of the Holy Spirit and what he has filled us with we can change how we respond to our circumstances. And Abigail, in his exact representation of that, because Abigail lived in a terrible terrible circumstance. She was married to a mean, mean, difficult man who was reckless. And she lived in a culture where women were not valued like men were. She could not change even the foolish decision that Nabal had done with David. She could not change the past. But Abigail took control of representing her story, representing what she wanted this to move forward like and what she could control her response with. Abigail caught hold of her destiny in that moment. And destiny is laid out one decision at a time. It happens each day, each decision, each conviction we hold to when no one is watching. Abigail's posture of heart and character gave her the courage that at this moment that she needed the courage to take, she was ready to take in this bold step of faith. And it became a destined moment for her. Abigail saw. So she was alert. She was discerning. She was not caught off guard. She was watching. She saw the big picture and she did not shrink back. She leaned in with boldness. Abigail hurried She was quick to act, quick to respond, and quick to obey. Abigail fell down. She walked in humility. She walked in selflessness and a deep love for others that compelled her. Abigail covered. She sacrificed for herself and even for her husband, who was even unaware of what she was doing. Redemption then came to her home and to her future. For Abigail allowed the scars of her history to be the story of her destiny. She allowed the pain of her past to flourish her present. Abigail allowed her suffering to become the salvation for her and others. Character allows us to walk daily in destiny, and destiny allows us to walk in destined season and times when they present themselves. For character acts not for reward, but because it is the right thing to do. Let me say that again. Character acts not for reward, but because it is the right thing to do for your life has something to share that Jesus wants to use. What you have in your life right now, your situation, your struggles, your scars, your experiences is the groundwork for significance. You sharing your story, you allowing your pain and suffering to be used by God, what you have in your hands to be used by him will bring redemption to others as you share your story. And it all begins... It begins with us, like Abigail, seeing our need, running to Jesus, falling before him in humility. And it is then Jesus that covers us. He redeems us, and he brings redemption in our lives, and we can be used in a redemption story for others. For Jesus stood with women. He forgave women. Jesus trusted women. Jesus empowered women. And he called women and is calling you today. We women are part of his story for what he is doing in the here and now. Today, please hear from our hearts and know from the scripture that God redeems all things. When we see him, when we run to him, and we fall into his loving arms, he will start a new future in motion for you. And this is how
0: we flourish when life isn't fair. Wow. Oh my goodness, Rhonda, that is so good. It's so true because when you walk in godly character, not only will you have life and peace, but your actions literally can redeem those around you. That is a miracle. That's the miracle that only God can do. Abigail responded with godly Christ-like character. And as a result, David revoked his vow and decided not to destroy Nabal and all that belonged to him. And Abigail covered the sin and foolishness of her husband and ended up saving her own life and the, the lives of her entire household. That's the power of godly character. Now we may never know the power of the forgiveness, the act of forgiveness that we do in a situation. We may never see the power of covering someone's sin and pain. We may never know the power or we may never witness the power of actually choosing to love even when you're rejected or or hurt, choosing the things that God asks us to do. We may never actually see the results of that, but every time we choose to walk in Christ-like character, we partner with the God of heaven and earth against the work of the enemy that seeks to ultimately rob you and ultimately destroy your abundant life. What happened to Abigail was definitely not fair, that's for sure. But her response, her choice to walk in godly, Christ-like character, despite how unfair the whole situation was, made a way of provision for her and her household. And the Lord dealt with Nabal. He always deals with the nabal's of our lives, and and maybe not the way that we would want him to, or think he should. But we have to trust that the God who, that our God, who is perfectly just—I mean, perfect in His justice towards us—is literally making all things new in His time and in His way. We have to trust Him in that.
1: So good. And as we prepare to close today, Lori, I would love to share something I came across. And I felt it was really profound when we were talking about Abigail today. But just women and honoring women. Mothers, biological mothers, spiritual mothers honoring women. And I just want to encourage that God meets us women. And we see it all through scripture. And this is just something I just want to read out loud. And it just says, God does indeed come to women where they are, when they are doing their ordinary everyday work. He meets them at the wells where they draw water for their families, in their homes, in their kitchens, in their gardens. He comes to them as they sit beside sick beds, as they give birth, care for the elderly, and perform necessary mourning and burial rites. Even at the empty tomb, Mary was the first to witness Christ's resurrection. She was there because she was doing, at the time, the womanly chore of preparing Christ's body for burial. In these seemingly mundane and ordinary tasks, these women of the scriptures found themselves face to face with divinity. So if you, like me, ever start to bemoan the fact that you don't have as much time to spend in the mountains with God as you would like, remember, God comes to women. He knows where we are and the burdens we carry. He sees us, and if we open our eyes and our hearts, we will see him in the most
0: ordinary places and in the most ordinary ways. Wow, that's so good. And even like at this time and even in the midst of this message, like I just want to acknowledge that Mother's Day is not an easy day for everyone. You know, it's easy for Ron and I to sit and celebrate moms and spiritual moms in our lives, but the truth is that life is not fair. Life can be really, really hard and Mother's Day can be a really hard day if there's loss in your life, if there's a strained relationship, you know, between your mo- your mom or your your child or, you know, if you're even just not with your mom or your child today. It can be a really really sad day or maybe for those who are struggling with infertility. I mean, I just want to acknowledge that it's not, you know, it's a day we celebrate women, but it can be a really hard day for a lot of people. And and we want to acknowledge that. And as we close today, we have something really 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 special for you. And I and my prayer in this is just that as you watch, as you watch this beautiful exchange between a grandmother and her grandson, that you would just see and sense the love of God for you, that you would just sense that no matter how unfair life has been for you, that you can feel God's overwhelming, unfailing love over your life, that you can feel his warm embrace, and that no matter how unfair life has been, that you could put your trust in a God who never fails and who is redeeming all things and making all things new in his way and in his time. We love you so, so much. To all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. To all the women, we love you so, so much. And we just pray God's extra special blessing today. Yes.
1: Hallelujah, hallelujah,
0: hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord.
1: Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
0: Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Now do we sing it soft? Hallelujah. 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 Praise ye the Lord. I love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. That's great. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, praise, praise ye the, the Lord. Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise. I love you. I love you too. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord.